0: What's going on, Dapper Villains? I'm Dana, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Jay Such Dave. Jay, how are you doing, my friend?
1: Howdy, y'all. How are y'all doing?
0: (laughs) Now, you may have noticed Jay sounds a little different today, and that's because that straw fedora that he's wearing from Singapore has... Hey, it's a cowboy hat. It's a
1: cowboy hat, in my opinion. (laughs) Forget facts for a minute.
0: We are joined by... Ross, a.k.a. the Texas Taylor Ross. Thank you so much for taking the time,
2: brother. Absolutely. Uh, Good morning to my side of the world. Good evening to your side of the world. Um, I'm blessed to be here, for sure. This is fun. Just outside
0: Austin?
2: Just, uh, yeah, I just live 11 miles outside of the downtown part of the city. So, like, right where, like, South by normally hangs out and all the big festivals, I'm, like, 11 miles southwest of that. Nice. Yeah, I'm in Austin. I mean, it's just Austin's now a huge town. True, yeah.
0: grown quite a bit so tell us about tell us about texas taylor tell us about what you do and we'll go from there brother
2: yeah uh about so i started the business in august of 2008 as like a women's custom gown maker and i started business all organic eco-friendly fashion so i was making Back in 2008, clothes out of like organic cotton and bamboo and silk and hemp and linen and all these crazy blends that I was getting from some of these hippy-dippy kind of fabric companies over here on, on this side. I was back in school at the time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Long story short, State Fair of Texas asked me to design a collection of clothing, my dad being an attorney, where he wanted to see me go back to Dallas and join the big, you know, law firm and e. he, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Um I don't need to get into that right now, but yeah, no, family no, business. No, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, got into the family business. I didn't want to go into that business, even though I loved what he did. I love the other side of getting suits made all the time as a young kid, but uh, the rest of it, I didn't care for, and I couldn't do it. So I got a job off, I got an offer from the State Fair of Texas, which is a huge thing here in town, to design a clothing line to be on display uh, at the museum for like, the entire duration of the state fair of texas and if you know anything about the state fair that's a huge deal in texas like it's a big big thing uh and that started selling it was funny it was like i was selling like these four and five hundred dollar like beautiful silk bodice gowns (laughs) out of my garage because i didn't know the value of money or anything like that at the time one a month two a month three a month started to happen and then i went on national television and then i was on tv and that was fun. And then I came home and I landed the first United States contract with uh, Formula One when so F1 landed here in Austin, Texas.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I met with the grid, which, you know, everybody that owned the track. And again, I don't need to name names, but met with the owners, met with the owners of F1, signed the contracts to become the U.S. first U.S. like licensed uh, designer for the grid girls. And so I made like all the grid girls uniforms with like these white uniforms with fringe and red boots. And it was a big deal. And then the state named me like the tech, the official bow tie designer for the state of Texas. Meanwhile, during all of that, I was studying under President Bush's tailor, Gus Kasani, who lives here in Austin. Uh, his, his tailor shop is called Kasani Tailors. His son runs it now. It's a little different. Um, but, you know, Gus used to make suits for the president. And so. Nice. Uh, Bush, yeah, or Bush too. Both. <laughs> okay. yeah. Bush family like Bush goes family. out to goes to the White House goes to Crawford Ranch like all of it and so uh-huh. um, anyway uh, so fast forward women started asking me who makes my suits I was practicing learning how to make them doing all this kind of stuff then somehow landed you've heard of the tailor Alan Flusser from New York we all have So he used to have a tailor named Teddy Slochevek that used to work for Alan Fluxer. So Teddy, during my wife's first trimester of walking my son, so this is, my son's five, so this is almost six years ago now, December 2013 was my last women's custom clothing collection I ever made. Let's start there. I go to New York, I know the owners of Mood very, very well. And he introduces me to Teddy, who is his tailor, who used to be Alan's master tailor. Teddy decides to move to Austin that summer, lives in my house. (laughs) We launch a clothing line, uh, like a men's suit line, build a bunch of suits. He brings some samples in. We show like suits on the runway, which is really funny because some other big fashion house just did this. But six years ago, I showed a clothing line of just the internal structures of how a bespoke suit's made because no one in Austin knows how the fuck a suit's made. No one. Mm. There's no fashion here, like zero. Okay. did you just say
1: did you just say fuck, sir? This is not that kind of show. We don't talk about we don't say bad words here. Oh, I'm sorry. Is there censorship? Who is this guy? This is is America. (laughs) And we have have No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, We we say fuck all the time. We say a lot of bad words, sir. Good. (laughs) Who is this? Who is this guy?
0: This is uh, my right version. Oh, got it. Be quiet and sit in your corner, Jay. Oh man.
2: So 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 Teddy and I launch a collection. We show like the skeletal work, the, hand, the jackets that have all the pick stitching on them. Then we show finished garments. We do all this. Yeah, there's Alan. Um, he has a great. He actually launched that whole. Remember when YouTube back in like the early 2000s? He did that whole YouTube series of his show. Uh, and he talks about. Uh, style, and he talks about uh, Mar- uh, the guys from Wall Street. So Teddy was like the tailor for all those clothes for Wall Street. Anyway, long story short, again, uh, bad things happen with Teddy. I end up meeting an old tailor while I'm sitting in JFK that worked for a factory in Thailand. I end up doing a lot of work with him. Then we move the factory to Naples. Then I end up meeting Jay. And it's just been an interesting ride for me as a business because, you know, our business has been fun and it's been humble. I've I've had partners that have tried to come into my brand and I've ended up losing my ass on them. Uh, but my wife and I are like, fuck it. We'll figure it out. Work hard. Keep our mouth shut. Keep moving. Still serve clients. Still figure it out. Live humbly. Don't buy nice cars. Don't buy the expensive houses. Don't buy this. Like, customers come first. You're a tailor, right? I always like to say like, I'm the fanciest janitor you're ever going to fucking meet. Mm -hmm. Straight up. Like
0: a lot of times that's what a tailor's job
2: is. 100% what the tailor's job is. You take the most insecure person and make them the most powerful they can be within business or pleasure period and a statement. When you Mm -hmm. give them the ability to choose who they want to be versus how you tell them how to be way more powerful. I'm not gonna tell you how to take a shit, you're gonna take a shit, but I'll make sure your toilets clean. Crazy. So there's a lot of brands over the last, you know, let's go back to like Tommy Nutter. He's my favorite fucking tailor of all times. 1970s Savile Row disrupting everybody. You know, everybody on Savile Row was like, what are you doing? Mixing houndstooth with herringbones and plaids with pinstripes. Like, what's going on? That makes no sense. What are these huge lapels on pockets? Like, why are you taking English with Italian sleeves? Like, what are you doing? Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Well, everybody was looking at him.
1: Right, <laughs> I mean, I have heard of this name quite a lot. My uh, absolute
2: favorite fucking tailor of all time. Where do you think Alexander McQueen got his style? Where do you think Tom uh, Ford got his style? He was,
1: he is the dapper
2: villain of the '70s of Savile Row, yeah. and nobody no talks word. about him anymore. But he was the one
0: who suited the stars. Savile Row hated him.
2: Everybody yeah, hated him. Yeah, dude, look at those fucking patterns in the '70s. People were like, "Who are you? Look at those heart-shaped peaked." i still do especially, those
0: especially being from savile and he's mixing colors he's mixing patterns and uh look at the size of that uh the opening on that leg
2: right he's doing italian cut sleeves with the british length jackets he's doing italian openings on pants with a british drops in terms of oh, waist, right. you know, high waist
0: he used, the, he used to do the pleated sleeves on the jackets with the yeah british dude structure. right yeah, yeah. Oh,
2: So he was the one who brought like the Neapolitan sleeves to Europe, like to England, to the UK, because the rock stars were wanting to do all those crazy pleated puff sleeves, they were seeing it.
0: Look at that bow tie.
2: Dude, fucking awesome shit, dude. If you can go find more, he's my favorite guy ever. Like there's amazing tailors of our time and our years. Tailoring has been around since kings and queens of, you know, as long as time can tell. Since they were able to weave cloth, there was a tailor.
0: You know it's crazy. Look at look at the range of motion. He's got his, his shoulders back, his arms bent. I mean, look at like for a fully structured suit like that and it's not talk really button.
2: So it's funny you ask me those questions. That question you ask me is this yeah. is how my this is my style. People ask me what my pattern cut is. Here you go. This is I, what I've mastered. I just don't talk about it because I don't want everyone to figure it out. Everyone's trying to figure it out. Just go study the fucking people that were trying to do it before that had no distribution of it tommy nutter was the coolest most humble badass taylor he kept his mouth shut he kept his feet to the ground he failed a lot he got shit on by others because he wasn't cool in terms of for example he didn't really care to go to pity he didn't care to like spend a lot of money on showing off his shit, being like check me out i made it to italy it's awesome that's done by the way y'all gone out Car shows, out. Watch shows, out. You want to know why? I've talked to a lot of the clients who own those cars, who own those watches. They've already prepaid for them when they go to the show. They've already bought them. So that's Elton John in Tommy Nutter. Wham! Elton John wore Tommy all the 70s. The Rolling Stones, everybody wore Tommy Nutter.
1: So uh you does it have you have anything mean, to do with and Edward Saxon? Because I, I, you know, when when I'm googling this, I see Edward Saxon a lot. Does he have anything to do with each other?
2: I don't think so. Maybe so I haven't done that much
1: research. Oh, sorry. Which the one? The, one
0: of, uh, the one of, uh, Nutter.
2: Oh, Nutter. Get a get a, get a get a better picture of Nutter. You can I want to point out the
0: shoes way. he's wearing in that photo, though, because you Neil know, Savile Rowe loves the hard bottom Browns and Blacks, and he's wearing and
2: black and white bros. Black and white
0: brogues, <laughs> yeah. Yep,
2: no Oxford's, wingtip no brogues, Oxford. two tone,
0: two tone. Going nuts. <laughs> like, like you would never, even today, like the most, like out of this, out of the park. Oh shit! Day, you make that bigger. Uh, Most of the the out-of-the-park tailors you would see on Savile Row, none of them would wear that.
2: Dude, if I came to Pity, you would see me in a fucking – I mean that's how I'd rock. I'd come straight out. I have a jacket. I have a double-breasted houndstooth jacket that I wear overcoat. That is just like that. And I have – I mean I have some fun. When I get dressed up, I'll send you some pictures. When I get dressed up, I like to have fun. I like to turn heads. I like to break necks. I like to be able to speak without speaking. But Look at those shoes. Yeah, but this—but guess what? Nobody else can own that style unless they own that energy.
0: Period. So this, is a, this is perfect. It's right. perfect the way it is. But like you know people on Savile Row look at this and they're like
2: – You want to know why? You want to know why? Because In my opinion? Them. It scares me. Exactly. Because they don't know who the fuck they want to be. They're all competing for number one. Geeves and Hawks owns it. Get rid of it. It's Gives yeah. and Hawks and Huntsman. Stop. Stop trying to compete. Be your own person. Legit. For real. Those are the only two shops on Savile Row. No offense. I don't know everybody. But I've dreamed of having a suit made by Huntsman and by and by Geeves and Hawks. Why not? Hmm. They're amazing. Okay. The shops are beautiful. I'm sure there are other amazing ones, but my energy is attracted to those two. The Kingsman, <laughs> my favorite movie ever. Not two, but one. I love well, so number I, one.
0: I, I dug the uh, – what, what do they call the um... – the Americans uh, in in the uh, second one.
2: Oh, uh, the gentlemen, or not the gentleman. The uh, uh, I can't remember, but there's the Texan. Uh, yeah, the whiskey guys, yeah, the, the guys that make the whiskey. Man. Yeah, the, the commodore. The
0: commodore. <laughs> yeah, I kind I kind of dug their style, sort of that like a uh, refined hillbilly.
2: I mean, I'm wearing you know beautiful jacket, nice pants, my silver and gold buckle, you know, hand tooled leather belt, like. It's all made for me.
0: Let me see that buckle. What do you what are you rocking there?
2: Always my letter, B. Nice. My family my family last name. So classic
0: uh classic uh Texas style, the big plate.
2: Yeah, it's well it's not even that big, but it's just all you know, solid silver and then etched mm-hmm. in gold. Yeah, so, it is yeah.
0: probably small by uh southern standards.
2: Yeah, I mean it's only like two inches in diameter by three.
0: Yeah.
2: So it's not that big. There are guys that will wear like those, you know, but anyway, I like to wear my you know my last name on my buckle. It's kind of a pride thing to me. My name's important nice. to me here in Texas. you know it's it's something that it's kind of like probably in, you know over in Asia, the last name means something to families over 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 there. In most America, they don't give a shit about their last name. i I care about my name.
0: I yeah, hope it depends on. I'll say at least for Thailand, and Jay Jay can probably back this up. Yeah. Uh, certain names do carry weight, and like uh, I remember, oh, when last I was name, a teacher's yeah. assistant at university. You get students with like forty character last names, and you know that you know there's, there's somebody to it. Yeah, forty
2: forty characters in the last name. No dude. joke, dude. No joke. I mean, how many characters are you, Jay?
1: mine's <laughs> <laughs> not that long. I, I I'm an immigrant. I'm a fourth generation immigrant here, so. Uh,
2: yeah, we're so, all immigrants, you know. motherfucker. I'm an immigrant, <laughs> too. I'm an adopted immigrant. I don't know where the fuck I came from. Anyway.
0: <laughs> I do, let's Europe. Talk, about, let's Europe. talk about your style a bit, Ross, because, I, uh, you know, following your Instagram, I like, like, you know, a lot of people in the menswear space, their Instagram is only menswear, right, and it's it's only, it's only looks. Right? Yeah. Or it's only, hey, I'm cutting this today but you actually share quite a bit of your life. So like yesterday morning, you're out stalking uh turkeys, right? And then like you're talking about like, you know, the, the land that you farm and you've got your tailor shop. Sometimes we see suits, sometimes we see cuts, but you know, I like that you you really traverse the functionality of what your day looks like, especially right now during COVID. We got your little, uh, your, your pet hair. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah.
2: I mean, here's the deal. I, again, let's go back to fancy janitor, man. I mean, yeah. you've got to be authentic with the world if you're going to sell if you're going to make authentic clothes for people. Hmm. Why the fuck do you want to be? Why do I want someone else to be Ross Bennett? I don't. <laughs> I do not want someone else to be Ross Bennett at all. Well, I, I want you it. to be you hat then <laughs> no i love the hat because it's not a cowboy hat
1: it's a fucking and i like the shirt by the way that shirt's pretty did <laughs> dude, you make that for, right? no i got this shirt from a vintage market about seven years ago and i never wore it once and this i <laughs> actually yeah, really dude, i like it a
2: lot i
1: never had a chance to wear it uh i'm wearing it looks it good with your water.
2: skin tone the the panama mm-hmm. hat with the with the hornet or the bee on the shoulder mm-hmm. the yellows look good it's a good shirt okay.
1: Right now, we were supposed to be in Austin together with the Rick and doing a party. And uh, I was going to bring all of this out. But then, you know, this uh, shit is hitting the fan. You or know, something. and that guy that's hanging on the wall over there was going to be at the party. We were going to be eating <laughs> his leg.
2: You know, like, yeah, man. But guess what? Let's talk about, well, I mean, I don't want to get all conspiracy. And I'm not going to start naming anything crazy. But I'll just say this. The world needs to destroy- <laughs> The world needed to slow the fuck down and everybody's higher power in the world. I don't care who you believe in. Even atheists believe in an atheist something. All right. Let's just leave it at that.
0: No, no, we don't.
2: Everybody in the world was like, okay, fine. Well, you believe that you don't believe in something. Let's just have that. You have a spiritual feeling that you don't believe in something, but you believe in not believing in something, right?
0: I'll give it to you. So,
2: so the world just said, we need to slow down. Mother nature was like, and too much pollution let me get the world back together y'all are driving too many cars y'all are fucking too many people i'm gonna lock you up be with your loved ones pay attention to your families you know what does the bible say what does every testament say love thy neighbor stay true to thy family you know tend to thy flock
0: <laughs> it's like well if that's what you believe sure but yeah i mean uh, that's in there that's in there
2: if, well I'm Jewish, so I don't know if it's in the New Testament or old, but whatever. <laughs> I like I like I like one through ten. That's the only ones that I like. Those are the ten okay. that I believe in. The ones that I think so I went about. to
0: Catholic school, man. Catholic school's all about that guilt.
2: Well even the Pope I think's got COVID. So I mean that's you a problem. That, I mean, I don't so, know. I mean Italy's it's a sad, it's a sad thing right now. I mean look, guys, the yeah. world the world is being affected by something that's happened almost every hundred years. Just go back in time. Spanish flu. I mean, I was sitting there at my house with my father-in-law down the street talking about this last week, and he's like, "My, my, the, you know, my son's name is Jack Sugars, and he's named after my father-in-law's grandfather, Sugars Turner, and so Sugars Brown, whatever, Sugars Turner Brown, and so he was saying that Sugars had the Spanish flu, and so did his wife, and they met." In the hospital. She was taking care of him. She got sick. They both got quarantined together. They fell in love and started the family. Made babies. It's happening right now. It all happened hundred years ago. We just didn't talk about it because we didn't have the internet. Like, if people just slow down and realize that all of this has happened before, stop trying to figure out how to solve it and just be patient with it.
0: So are you saying Tiger King is a conspiracy to keep us away from realizing <laughs> what COVID really is?
2: Do you know that Texas has the largest population of fucking tigers? That Austin Zoo just got one delivered from somewhere in Texas like this week, a white tiger? Look it up
0: right now. The white tiger. I know that because you, you told me right before the show. <laughs> yeah, white bangle tiger was just delivered
2: in Austin, Texas at the zoo. I'm like, my wife is showing me this this morning. I was like, what the fuck? She was like, yeah so you know i mean texas has you know the animal that i shot over here this oryx uh scimitar oryx they've been extinct since 2000 but texas has the largest population they keep trying to grow herds of them and then release them in africa like by like the thousands of thousands and then all of africa shoots them for their meat because their meat is fucking. it tastes like chocolate i mean it's unbelievable i have a little bit more yeah jay if you were here you were gonna have some oryx tartar you know Oh, yeah, it just melts in your mouth. It's like the most incredible meat. I've eaten a lot of meat. Of, like dry
0: that or what do you do to it?
2: So I had my, my butcher shop, Hudson Meat Market. Um, hmm. They basically made a Spanish-style farmhouse ham on bone. Okay.
3: So you just slice it.
2: And then I have some ground. I mean, shit, the animal's 400 pounds. So, yeah. you know, It'd it's a lot. lot. 290 pounds of meat. Yeah. Last of yeah meat, one you know, of my
0: friends from <laughs> Maine... Uh, he he had moose before and they dry aged it in his garage. They just oh it.
2: yeah. If I had a fucking so dad at one of our ranches, we have a walking cooler and uh, that's really nice. One weekend we shot twenty one deer
3: mm. before awesome. Saturday
2: at ten a.m. Me and a buddy. Well, we needed to clear some deer out. We needed to shoot some deer for friends. We needed to shoot our deer for family uh we had all our tags they were, and they were our they were tags like they were our tags like my wife has tags father-in-law has tags so mm. my wife went out shot i shot father-in-law shot we all just we, but we have a massive 10 by 10 walk-in cooler mm. that you can process an animal and then go hang it in there and like a like a restaurant like a meat locker like you've seen yeah. like you know i'm not trying to be gross i'm just trying to be real like you a know, proper like, butcher shop. Exactly. Like, the most sterile way of doing it. Like you clean hmm. it, wash it off, clean all the hair off it and then go hang it in the cooler and then it freezes and all the meat cures. So if you have walk one walk of those freezer. Yeah, a walk-in cooler. It only gets to 36 degrees. So it chills it doesn't freeze it. Okay. So it's the same thing at what you're talking about that people live up north in America. So like so they just when hang they're in
0: the garage because Because it gets to 30 degrees.
2: And yeah. So they leave a fan on it or they leave the door open and it just yeah, dude, I wish I had when I'd be making prosciutto and soppressata and fucking every type of cured ham that you could make out of yeah. wild boar and venison. I'm supposed to be picking up two venison legs that are bone-in Spanish hams, whitetails, any day now. They just take a long time. They take like two or three months to do. They have to be done like in a window. Like it's – yeah, it's tough. What, what are they do they do? Does-
0: wrap it in like a, a cheesecloth and season so, it and hang it?
2: I don't even ask Thomas what he does, because he does them especially for me and a few other people. If you ask Thomas at Hudson's and be like, hey, you know, Ross told me that you guys do Spanish style cured farmhouse hams. Would you do mine? You have to bring him both legs because it takes Mm. the brine is enough for both. So Mm. yeah, you hand him both back hams of a deer and he'll make them Mm -hmm. into, you know, Spanish style farmhouse hams. They're pretty awesome.
0: Sounds interesting.
2: It's very good i mean i love to eat what i hunt i mean it's it's all about i mean my house is covered in antlers and heads and whatever but like it's because i honor the animal versus just throw the animals that's the work that they've raised that's what that's what attracted me to the animal you know
0: you're not out there shooting like uh game game trophies right you're out there getting food
2: Right. The only thing I've ever shot that was a game is this Oryx, and that was a gift from a client that owns. I mean, he's the president of the Texas Deer Association. He manages 9,000 ranches.
0: Yeah, but you ate it.
2: The whole thing. My, yeah, I mean, yeah. and now my wife are trying to figure out where the hell to put this thing because it's as big as an elk. I mean, it's, it's the antlers are 36 inches long.
0: You get elk out there?
2: Uh, north part of Texas, New Mexico. I went on an elk hunt in Colorado this last year uh elk and pronghorn with a buddy oh no bow hunting it's no it's yeah my buddy i I got within 50 yards of a pronghorn and i wasn't a good enough archer at the time i don't even know if i still am a good enough archer i think it's something that you have to practice literally every day uh i mean i shoot three times three times a week now if not more Mm. just in my backyard simple 20 30 yards but like at the ranch this weekend i was shooting 50s and I haven't talked to my buddy. And he was like, if you could take, because a lot of my buddies make fun of me because I have an older bow. It's not a new thing, state of the art, cheaper, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not buying the $200 arrows with custom fletchings. I don't hunt in $400 Sitka showy gear that all the pros are hunting in. I'm hunting in, you know, Academy specials, what I like to call it, or Cabela's huh. special, you know, $25 pants. But I know how to sit still and be quiet. So a deer can come eight yards from me where the guy that's in the $500 camo gets busted at 50 yards. Yeah. It's just it all goes everything in the world goes back to humility and humble, right? Like who the fuck cares what you have. So my buddy at the owns a shop, he's like if you're throwing those dime patterns 50 yards, don't change anything you've got like and just just keep shooting that bow. Like if you're shooting 50 yards in a dime, don't change it. Don't buy a new bow. And this is my buddy's company and he's like don't even buy anything new. I was like not good tip, you know? We all work in the same section, like we all are so, I don't know, I don't know how your friends are. I don't know how your life is over there, but like my circle is small, my circle is quiet, my circle is humble, and we're always there for each other. We all hunt together, we we, we buy things from each other, we work together. I used to be in the public eye a lot, especially when I was on national television, and then I was the official bow tie designer to the state of Texas, and then F1, that all hit at like from 2000, 10 to 2013. That was my whole life. Hmm. And then I managed the grid girls until 2017. They used my uniforms. And then 2018 they brought on a new person. And then 2019, Bernie Ecclestone sold F1. And then the new owners like canceled all of Grid Girls for all of F1. So there's no cheerleaders for that anymore. So I was like, cool. Well, I, I was able to
0: cancel the grid girls.
2: Yeah, well, go just Google really Ross. Cool. Just Google right now. Ross Bennett, Coda, grid Girl cota grid girl and you're gonna see me and all these girls and my wife with all these women and from motorsport motor trend car driver whatever there's millions of pictures but they're white suits with fringe but they were fun and to me it was like such an honorable experience like to be the first of that to get to do that for our country in austin texas it was like so cool it was like i remember designing them with with coda and being like
1: yeah, you know, this is like, what we uh, want to do. No, well, that's, we're We're looking at your website, but uh, uh my suits. Uh, you like that suit, huh? That's I your mean, cloth. It's it's, it's it's done in my cloth and she's absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> so uh let's talk about this. <laughs> yeah,
3: I'll gonna, tell you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> she's fun.
2: Christine. Yeah, so that's a yeah. white that's like a white.
1: So I wanted to show the um bow tie picture. There's your suit
2: too. There's yours also back this one. one. Yeah, there's your Huddersfield right there.
1: Missouri is a VV legend. This is beautiful. This is some of his work. Really nice I appreciate that, it. There's my girl. That the that's the bow tie you made.
2: Uh That's not the one I made for the state. But those are my girls in the back. There's Coda. There's the grid girls. you'll see if you go zoom down under my gloves, you'll see my badge. It's got pass it's got buttons everywhere, every access to wherever I needed to go. But yeah, um, there's your pants. That's yours cloth. That's cool. Thanks. So you know, two women, it was fun. She one did a velvet, one did a khaki suit. So here's the thing about my business and my brand. I've shoot, I like to say I shoot every type of person from the most underground to the most public figure you can imagine. Hmm. Literally. I mean, I don't need to mention any names, but I've been, I, I have had businesses stop working with me in the past because old partners posted pictures of political figures that I used to work with Hmm. and in this town, uh, you post the wrong side, especially extremes on wrong sides. And boy, does this town just
0: –
2: But you know – I ex- State
0: extreme- level, national level? What are, you, what are you talking about here, Ross?
2: State, federal, public figures, celebrities, mm-hmm. all that. Yeah, like, you know. Yeah. So I don't – again, I, it doesn't matter about names. I'm just saying like when you post certain – the political world is nasty i mean i'm i'm very involved in the right wing side extremely involved or i was for a long time big names big policy pushers um because some of my other clients were federal lobbyists so lobbyists would say hey we're gonna get four lobbyists together and we're gonna buy a suit you know blah blah, blah as a gift it was fun um it was all legal it wasn't it was nothing there was nothing illegal about it you know they were allowed to gift people stuff and so we would make special prices for lobbyists out of certain books of fabrics um, that were like under a thousand bucks you know so two people could go on and on a gift that was totally legal um there were just you know certain things you had to deal with and i just yeah whatever mm-hmm. um but i literally my business partners would be like let's post some of this to gain some traction And so they posted some pictures of some of these people and it just, I mean, it was bad. That was a fun one. So my client shot that alligator and then off his ranch in South Texas, his family's land uh, settled the ranch. I think in 1818, they actually have a letter from Sam Houston writing to their grandfather about the property. And how they should come to Texas and settle it. And it's like 15,000 acres.
0: So, alligator that we're seeing on the lapel and the pocket flaps?
2: Yes. I can't hear Jay at all. But yeah, it's alligators on the lapels and on the pocket flaps.
1: Oh, sorry. Um, I was on mute. My keyboard is loud as fuck, so I had to mute it. But no, my question was, you got the suit made in Naples and then you um, no. you did the thing on top of it? Or you sent the alligator skin to Naples?
2: Hayden made that suit. Okay. Um, so my current factory that's connected to all my websites, www.thetexastailor.com which Jay introduced me to. Um, they're great people. They made that suit. And then he, I went to his ranch and we did it. And so the first time I went down to his ranch and I pull into the house and he pulls out like, I don't know, 10 or 15 different alligator pelts. <laughs> and he's got all these black ones because for months we we were talking about trying to build an all black alligator jacket with the factory in Naples. Hmm. I met this guy two and a half years ago. I actually didn't even meet him, but his best friend owns the airport down in South Texas, and he keeps a couple of his airplanes there, his family airplanes there uh, during Hurricane Harvey, which was a huge hurricane that hit South yeah. Texas. Well, I was a part of a big, it turned into a massive operation. I went down with two of my partners at the time, and or one business partner and a friend. Uh, we brought down 10,000 pounds of goods, but then I ended up being able to manifest a friend of mine to get me 30 airplanes in circulation from a private airport here to deliver half a million pounds of goods. And so I delivered half a million pounds to goods. I had two airplane hangars covered by like the National Guard and the Air Force protecting all of my supplies. And I became best friends with the airport because I was running, I mean, I fucking all of a sudden became like scrambling, you know, dealing with SWAT codes and airplanes and in a golf cart going from hangar one to hangar two. and. Chartering planes in. It was nuts. I got pictures of all that. I'll send it to you sometime. Um, but anyway, this guy met me through that. And so I go to this guy's ranch. And this was the coolest thing ever. Like a dream of mine. This, fuck, fuck all their money. Fuck all their land. Fuck all that crap. Pull into their house. You go into their room. Their grand room. And it's just cowboy saddle on a, on a post. Okay? Like displayed. Saddle after saddle after saddle after saddle after saddle. Like 20 of them with a straw hat and a felt hat and a cowboys rope, And it was all the cowboys in the family that had fallen since the ranch started. 1808, 1809, whatever it was, 1818, whatever, I can't remember, something right around there. And there were 20 fucking sets of saddles and hats. And it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen because it was all the fallen cowboys of the family that had worked at ranch. And then I'm sitting at like a 16 foot McCoggy table with 20 different alligator pelts, talking about making a jacket no social media allowed you know that kind of deal yeah and i was just like with a briefcase of cash and i was like what the fuck is happening right now but it was cool and oh, then so so you send the alligator pill to the no 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 so this is how it happens think about tailoring let's talk about tailoring hmm. yeah he sends me a picture of mickey rourke where at the Playboy party or a Playboy gala wearing a chocolate brown alligator suit just like this. And I was like, who is this guy? I've never met him in person. Like, who is this guy? So I get to the house because after long story short, Naples would not allow me to send alligator pelts over there, even though they get all of their alligator pelts from Texas anyway, or Florida, the tannery that he works with, that these hides were tanned We had all the federal stamps, everything, all the tickets. Uh he says uh they said that he would not accept our pelts and i was like all right forget this i'll figure out something else so i talked to him i was like what if i take a pelt and put it on the lapels and the pockets and all that and we made the buckles on the pants has it the waist buckle on the back of the vest has a beautiful big silver
3: buckle set Mm. it's like very pretty and so anyway long story short um We start talking about this jacket. And you
2: think about authenticity and architecture and all that. He's like, I want the most that this, of this alligator belly that I can fit on the lapels. And he didn't want to do – I thought it would be fun to do black on black. But he was like, I really need to be able to show this thing off. And I was like, okay. I mean, the whole inside, it's a full facing. It's not just the lapels. The inside is fully faced in alligator. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so, and I can send you some pictures of all that later, Uh, but it was really cool because, you know, you you have to cut it, then you have to plane the the, the skate the outside of it, just like a shoe, right? Mm -hmm. Then you have to hand stamp each hole, just like on a shoe, and then you stitch, you have to stitch it like this.
1: Is that it? That's the Mickey Rourke uh, alligator jacket? No, no. I mean, that looks dope as fuck, too, though.
0: So how do you tan the alligator pelt? Is it is it kind of like you would just do with uh, with cow? Does it get veg tanned or chromium tanned? Or is there a different process for alligator? What What's that look like?
2: Hold on a second. I got the link. I'm going to send it in this chat thing. All right, Jay, uh, oh, it's on.
1: done on the lapel. It's done on the lapel, got Yeah, you.
2: so it's the brown one, just like the, just like his. Do you see it? Yeah. All right. So you got it.
1: All right, cool.
0: Throw it up here for us, Jay.
2: So he sends me this image, and I was like, "Cool." I hope it's this one. Yeah, but there's a full length picture of it. But yeah, you get the picture. Yeah. And so he sends me that. And so I said, "All right." He goes, "But I want as much of the lapel as possible." Those are seven and a half inches. That belly was fifteen inches wide. So when I laid that pattern down, I had to like perfectly mark zero room, zero room, right into the armpits, and it's one cut. It's one gator. It's you know, Mm. like it's not like a piece of fabric I can just order from Jay and say, "Shit, I miscut this." It's like a fucking (laughs) fifteen foot you know by 15 inch wide 12 foot by 15 inch wide gator that i don't know where i'm gonna get another one yeah so anyway made it work it was really cool he was really happy with it but it's like things like that you know i've done linings of uh a guy that sent me a picture of us 100 years of his family we collaged it put it in there i did a jacket for one of the deans of the university with like pictures of a bunch of his family members um, Map of 1845 was when one of my buddies' families moved to Texas, so we did. He went to the state, bought that map, which gave him the rights to use it. So then I was able to use it. Um, a guy did a a wife did a jacket for a client once with a her in a boudoir scene inside the coat, which was really elegant inside black camo. So I mean, I have a lot of clients that do a lot. I have one client right now who every single car that he has allocated or bought, he buys from Ferrari. He has a custom jacket with the specs of the car in the jacket and then the color of the jacket matches the paint color of the car so i get all the high resolution spec sheets from ferrari and him kind of cool that's fun projects but like again
0: what's that like matching a fabric to paint
2: dude like the sp2 Mazda sp2 that we just designed and did is fucking dope it's black camo on top of his black and silver with an interior matches just like his car or the F8 that he just got in the candy apple red color. We have this Dormeo fabric that looks just like the same color that we did. And then the car's all on the inside. And then his F8 and then his Pista 48 Pista that just came in the white and blue. We did another Dormeo fabric. I mean, those jackets are very very expensive. Um,
0: custom dyed, obviously. Like it,
2: well, Dormeo's all top dyed and like it's all very yeah. And we use the celebration book for those only. Yeah. You know, um but again, you know, I wish I could find. Some other fabric. Laura Laurel has some, but nothing like it. There are some other companies and mills that I'm just I don't want to name names, but I'm just tired of working with in terms of relations because they just Mm -hmm. are like, I'm not a guy that's buying ten thousand fucking meters a month and and advertising them, but they have no idea who might there you go. There's Sid Miller and me on the right with two of my buddies. One of them's holding a gun next to Sid. We're talking about hemp. Who's Sid? (laughs) Sid Miller's the Texas Department of Agriculture that guy in the, in the old man in the hat he's the guy that wrote the laws for the state of texas to allow you to grow cannabis and hemp and that's wow. us in his room that's our, that's, that's our in his room last september
0: this is going to be the most texas photo i've ever seen
2: well there right. you go my buddy on the far left that's richard Wahlberg. his family owns a company called dot com. it is the amazon of ranching products they can drop ship cattle chutes, horse fencing Stay tough fencing for barbed wire. They can drop you ship anything you need in the world that requires for ranching and farming. They'll drop it. And now he's one of the, He's going to be a probably the biggest player in drop shipping of hemp farming equipment from bedliners to drip tape to our seeds. You know the guy standing next to Sid Miller is the grandson to a gentleman named Leif Johnson Ford, who is one of the or Leaf Johnson, who is one of the oldest Ford dealerships in the state of Texas and one of the largest Ford families in Texas. And that gentleman is my business partner in the seeds, the hemp seeds. And he is the actual big breeder of the seeds. And that company is called 369 Genetics. And we sell feminized
1: hemp seed. So.
0: Well, let's talk about hemp fabric for a minute. I want yeah, to, let's uh, talk about it. I, I want to yeah, get. Yeah, I it think goes.
1: you, you tried it too, right? So here's um, the deal. Uh, I
2: have it. I have it. Delfino has it. It's not that I haven't tried it. There's just not enough variety yet.
0: Yeah. It, it's It's not. There's not really, at least in my experience, yeah, I've gotten some books from some hemp manufacturers, mostly in India and, uh, it, it's nice, but it's not what I'm looking to work with. Like I was looking for a, a, hemp denim with a indigo dye and they sent me their, their best hemp denims and they just were not great. Now I've looked at we're some. Breeding, we're, about the to start
2: breeding, we're about to start breeding for fiber.
0: Nice. We actually, uh, are,
2: we actually already are breeding for fiber. It's called Farm Diesel.
0: I, I've looked at some uh, hemp suiting fabric too. It's just a bit rough. Don't worry. I'm a, I'm
2: a, don't worry, it, brother. I'm on it. We don't, need to talk, we, don't, we don't need to talk. Well, I'm not yet, but we don't need to talk about it here. We can talk about that later.
0: For sure. Nice. But you know, the, yeah. where it's at right now just isn't where it needs to be. We'll say that. Yeah,
2: I mean, my, let me put it this way. We have 20 million seeds, $20 million in feminized seed that my buddy could have started selling four years ago. But he sat there and just watched the market. He's not cash. He's not cash tight right now. Hmm. Yes, we want to sell all our seeds, but we wanted to see what was happening in the market. We wanted to see how seeds were going to play. We wanted to see how people were buying. We wanted to see how many fields went hot.
3: Hmm.
2: We wanted to see the legalities that were actually going to play across all states. We didn't want to really necessarily be in the wild, wild west. We wanted to just figure out, okay, how's this going to work? I mean, if you start looking deep diving into the hemp seed, most seeds have to be, like when they're planted, even feminized seeds, most seeds... Once they get to the budding stage and they're budded out, you have to harvest them within three to five days or that seed goes hot. Ours have tested. You can go 90 days before it goes hot. That's three months. Illegal, past 0.3 THC.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, past the legal level of THC. Most of them are three to five days. Ours is 90 we also have built into ours. That's mold resistant and it's got, you know, bug resistance into it. So it, I mean, our Brandon and his team for the breeders have just the family and I and all of his family of breeders have been breeding cannabis and hemp 25, 30 years and hemp exclusively for like 10. And then he's been doing it for like seven and he started this company four years ago. So it's like, but again, it's like my circle of pe- right? my my circle of people, we dress like this and we don't give a shit. And some of them wear like old stainless steel Rolexes that were like grandfathers, you know. No one's rocking diamond bezels
0: like and you make alligator belly suits.
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, who the fuck cares. Like, I mean, my point of the matter is, is like who the fuck cares what you have as they swipe right by your picture every 5 seconds. Hmm. No one gives a fuck. I appreciate the I appreciate the memes that WayCow does of dogs more than what I see businesses post about watches. I've actually started unfollowing a lot of things that I see that are just like, are you really still doing this? Are you really still? I mean, I understand you have a business, but can you change the language? I read the text. I actually read people's text. That's very important to me. A picture is worth a thousand words, but the words behind the picture are what the actual intention is.
3: Mm.
0: For sure.
2: So when I read something that is fucking egotistical or it's selfish or it has a fucking backhanded meaning, see ya. Woo! I still got it. You haven't changed.
3: 90% you haven't figured
2: out. Dude, I made a post a couple days ago. I was like, get the fuck out of here, world. Fuck you. You think you're going to be an Instagram model selling discounts on masks right now in front of a $100,000 barbarous Jeep wagon? Like, fuck off. Has the Louis Vuitton logo on the front, not even made by Louis Vuitton. Like, who the fuck are you? Swipe up 15% now. Here's my discount code. Yeah, what the it, hell? That,
1: yeah, I'm like, right. what
2: the fuck?
1: To profit I, from this right now is is, is really I'm bad. selling
2: 100,000 masks a day, huh? but I'm giving them basically away. I'm doing government contracts with a direct ship drop ship from factories. I'm not making any money. Like, there's a little bit, but pennies. Yeah. yeah. A guy called me yesterday and was like, I'd like to to take your masks since you're selling them for two two and a quarter a piece on the KN95 ship. I want to go sell them for $7. I was like, fuck you, man. Didn't you see a pri- Trump just launched price gouging as like a national thing? You it can't make money off this deal.
1: It's absolutely disgusting how people are yeah. doing this.
2: So I'm like, fuck off. So like the government contracts that I get that are like a million masks, half a million masks. Here's my factory. Talk to him now. Whew. I don't Mm -hmm. care. One, I don't, and I'll be honest. Here we go. Ready? One, I don't have the business set up right now to take an eight to ten million dollar transaction. Maybe Jay does with his global world. I'm a small tailor in Austin, Texas, that has no debt, that has no loans, that has none of that shit. Like I have a small, eight hundred square foot tailor shop downtown Austin in the center of the city. It's covered in deer heads, just like my house, and pictures from our family property from nineteen hundred painting like there's a big college in town called uh, St. Edwards, Mm -hmm. or not St. Ed's, Texas State down in San Marcos. Well, my wife's family is the original settlement to San Marcos. If you go on San Marcos's website, and you look at history, you look at all the black and white pictures, they were at our family's house, taking all the pictures out of their fucking books to put on their website. I have a picture that great aunt Kate posted of that she painted in 1901 sitting atop our farm overlooking the boys school that's bought from our family property and our family property is the plowed field that goes all the way around the school. And it's like perspective. It's just the way I look at the world is like how Jay's family is. I know I can read it. I don't have to hear it. I don't have to see it. I got it. He's set for life. His grandkids are set for life if he ever has. them. But we know this but he doesn't have to talk about
0: it. birth.
2: You get to know someone like Jay and you get it, you see it. But the problem is Jay's around a lot of the other stuff. And mm-hmm. he's not—he's 30 years old, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're young, bro, but it's you're so blessed. You're so blessed to have the world that you have in that household. You, you, were, you and I were having a conversation a couple of days ago about the way your culture is and you live with your parents until they die, or at least the male does, right? And then the yeah. family comes in and moves,
3: yeah.
2: bro if America could understand how valuable family is. (laughs) America doesn't care about their elders. America doesn't care about their children. Most parents here are freaking out because they have to homeschool their kid. They have to spend time with their children. School and daycare was structured so the parents could go shop and drink and gossip and fuck and cheat. That's literally what America did while their kids were being taken care of by other people. And now, they have no fucking clue how to take care of their children. I yeah, hang out also, with my I kids. My, know my, know. My, son, my son has been hunting in my fucking ranch with me since he was two. My son has been skinning animals and learning how to take care of chickens since he was two. My daughter has been doing it since she would learn how to walk. It's just our life. Like we live with our family. Like we have dinner for my parent. Erin is with her kid with our kids at her parents' house down the street right now, doing schoolwork and her mother is loving it. And we are too. Like, it's the best thing ever. We cook at home. We don't have no problem with the grocery. I get a dozen eggs a day. I have a how,
1: thousand how did that, where? When did that go away? Like that, like you guys seem to be like living the OG American life. Right. But then when did that all change where family units were all destroyed? And, uh, the internet.
0: I think before that, I mean, I grew up in, uh, I was a latchkey kid, right? So i go okay. go home after school, let myself in, you know, make some mac and cheese and then play video games, you know. Like, what year was that? Like that? How old are uh, you? I'm 40. 41. So, 41.
2: So 80s. 79 year old? What's that? Yeah, so I'm saying you were born in 79?
0: 78. And 70. December 30th, 1970, like right at the very end of 78.
2: Yeah. Word. So, I mean, I think the age of technology is what caused it because I still talk to my family that I grew up on the farm in the 70s and the 80s. And they're like, we didn't fucking internet until 2005. I'm like, what? You know, yeah. like, dude, look at this, for example. The What's internet. The- the internet. Alabama. dude? Alabama's coach. Did you see this? The Alabama's huh? coach, Nick Saban, just this week for the first time in his life, got an email address <laughs> because his entire life is because his wife has been always managed his emails. He doesn't yeah. even have a cell phone. I didn't know that. That's Nick Saban, the coach of Alabama, the most famous college football coach in present day, (laughs) okay, has no No social media, no social media, no smartphone, and no email. He just had to get an email, and it's, like, big news. Like, why?
0: (laughs) You know, I want to say, like, I've been to Jay's house for dinner, and your assumptions of his family are bang on. Like, he definitely has the most humble family. Sure. Such cool such a cool mom and dad his mom was like oh you need to eat more uh more bread She's <laughs> <laughs> like jay you can't eat any you're fat i'm like jay, the size of jay and she's like jay's fat he can't eat any but here you have more hey don't boy. let the
1: people uh, i mean there might be some hot girl who's listening to this on the radio and uh, now she's gonna know
2: please, jay is please. a prince habibi and take care of <laughs> But if you don't, I've got a lot of land down here, and we know how to bury bodies in Texas.
0: <laughs> so, well, uh, Ross, one you're things
1: gonna you do you're have, have to go. bury oh, a lot of buddy. Sorry, yeah, sorry, there's sorry.
2: some old family, there's some old
1: crazy family stories. I mean, I'll tell you off record, but yeah, old, 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 I feel like this, this should old. be the longer podcast so that we we. We can get more out of uh I <laughs> mean here's the deal about our life in Texas, and I'll
2: be completely honest with you. My wife's family moved here a long time ago from Tennessee, hundred over oh well, well over hundreds of years ago. And they were traveling ministers, they struck oil in thirty one, you know, parts of the family's been separated, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's just and when you hear about this stuff in quiet circles and you start to develop an energy that's outside like I grew up in Dallas. I used to my parents had season tickets to all the sporting events. We had season tickets to the summer musicals and the operas. Like, I lived that city life. I was raised in that city life. But I got the fuck out. I graduated May 22nd of 2002. I moved to Austin May 23rd. I had to get the fuck out of Dodge. I couldn't, my spirit soul didn't agree with it. I was so blessed to find my wife. She wasn't even my wife or girlfriend for five years later. But we were dancing in the foam one day, and I was like, I'm going to marry you sometime, I swear to God. And uh, that was at the frat house. I'll never forget. And we ended up getting married. But my point is, is like her life's family is so simple. Like, you know, we have old cars and I wear $25 jeans. But, you know, we have access to, I don't know, several thousand acres, several thousands on thousands of acres of land with mineral rights that we get checks for that, you know, that's worth more than anyone's fucking garage that you see on Instagram in Mm. cash
0: very true very true
2: that's generations upon generations of wealth you know when you let me put it this for you in perspective i talked to Jay about this one time and for all these people that that come to america or that drive by any types of farm those big round bales of hay y'all big ones the big circular bales those are a hundred dollars a piece each cow is anywhere from four to $10,000 a pop when they go to market. Each bull with nuts on it is 25,000 to a quarter million dollars. Hmm. So when you see a thousand bales of hay sitting in a field at $100 a piece, how much money is that just sitting there? Yeah. See, You see 100 cows in the fucking land or 10,000 head of cows at $4,000 a piece. A mile of high fence is $10,000. Like people don't understand any of this. So how's a farmer wealthy? They got $10 million sitting in the field. Mm-hmm. A tractor is quarter million, $250,000 to start for a good industrial tractor from John Deere.
1: I definitely want to get into the farm life. I see, I see what you do, man. I, I, I dig it, bro. So when people no, come man, to I, me and I'm I like, literally, my business,
2: my business is like, how can I serve you? Literally. How can uh, I be? Escaping? I,
1: I want to have the farm life, but I want to have the air condition, uh, the high-speed internet. I can play Call of Duty in the farm. Uh, so but mine, then, so uh,
2: all of our tractors yeah. have glass windows and Bose and Harman Kardon speakers, and they have electric nice. and air conditioning and heat.
3: Yeah, Man,
2: they're quarter million and half million dollars each. <laughs> yeah, each y'all.
1: Y'all y'all all right let's get let's get to the 10 questions before uh we, we but i do like uh talking with him because he's he's so raw you know yeah. and like compared to all the other podcasts we've done right everybody's a little stiff but we try to break the ice and stuff and get them get them to come like this guy has been raw since first minute He was and, uh, and bro like this is and and you, you i really appreciate your friendship your loyalty man, the love you give, man, it's, 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 you know, I, I do like a video call with him on Sunday and, you know, hang out with his family and stuff. You You want to know
2: why I didn't do a photo shoot with you at the very beginning when we met, when you came to the U S
1: yeah. We hadn't done
2: business together. I've known you for 90 seconds. Yeah. Why would I give you my energy to shoot when I don't even know you yet? Yeah. Yeah. I know you're a big brand. I wanted to, I like to walk before I run. I like to go in the woods and figure you out before we get into bed. Mm -hmm. That's what I learned from my family. It's a ranching. It's, you know, it's just the old ranchers way. And so when you do business with people like, you know, I'm here, come meet. Great. I'll drive three hours to come see you. No problem. But I'm going to turn around today and drive back. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's seven hours of driving for me, but it was worth it to me to drive to come see you versus what if we put all that energy into a photo shoot and it didn't
1: work out. Yeah. And that actually happened you know he 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 drove all the way to uh uh dallas to come and see me and i was like i was telling my my parents this i was like man i feel like texas is already my home because i have so many homies you know and uh the the texas hospitality is a real thing uh but like in new really york
2: are- or new york l.a you know he comes there and he's like i'm gonna have a photographer and shoot oh
4: yeah dude come on what what's up for shoot yeah, yeah, yeah come yeah, on yeah, yeah, chat yeah. it Woo! Yeah. <laughs>
2: Cool, bro. We're gonna talk. I have one suit from you. I don't know what we're gonna shoot.
1: Yeah.
2: Can we talk? You know, like yeah. yeah.
1: No, just, I, LA I, LA I totally get that vibe that you're talking about. Uh but uh new I've been lucky with New York. But yeah, Texas Texas I feel like it's the place that I uh wanna really, you know, get I think there's from. a
2: lot of amazing parts of a lot of of every place. Yeah. Everything is good in moderation That's what I'm coming to learn. Sure. And authenticity is key. And I when I met you, I was like, all right, you know, non I mean, nonverbal communication is the most authentic terms of communication. And when I met you, I could do conversation, through voice, through talking, through voice calls, then meeting you in person. I went back to Austin and I was like, all right, I think I think we can start to start putting most of our eggs towards this basket. I think told my wife i was like i think this guy i mean he's a lot different than you and i would have ever imagined but i had to get to meet you i had to sit down and like talk and walk you know like and i would do the same thing with any client i don't care who you are you know energies have to align to do business right way
3: yeah
2: and so that's also why i've never had a website 11 years clothing company 11 years and i just launched a store january 7th like yeah why because i've never wanted to like not meet the person and it's still kind of hard to order on my store without seeing me like i've sent all yeah. my clients logins and they have their patterns stored online and i've set up wish lists for them and they can just go in like amazon and see the wish list and select things they want But you know,
1: that's, that's very cool.
2: Well, that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I started thinking about it. I was like, my clients who I deal with, they're the business owners that no one sees that keep the world moving. And that's just the truth. Like a lot of these private SBA loans, a lot of these big businesses that are moving and helping the world right now. A lot of those guys in Texas are my clients and I'm blessed Mm -hmm. to have them. They're friends too, because we go hunt, we go to lunch, like they're buddies. We hang out like this. Yeah. This is very important to business. I can just tell you that right now. A guy that doesn't see me in a suit all day knows I'm real because he knows I'm not fucking my wife in a suit. He knows I'm not playing in the park with my kids in a suit. Yeah, yeah. So when he sees me in normal clothes like a normal human, it's way more respectful than always being in a fucking suit, always wearing a tie. Like, give me a break, dude! You don't do that every second of your day. You don't yeah. wake up and the first thing you do is throw on a tie.
3: Yeah, like yeah.
2: get the fuck out of here. Um, it just drives me crazy. Back to your Instagram thing of everybody always posting them in action or in a suit, versus you can see my backyard with my daughter holding a chicken.
0: Yeah,
1: you're
2: buying.
0: Yeah, post- you're your buying your idea of authenticity, and the idea of, you know, like seeing you as you are, one of the things that we do here is we ask 10 questions of our guests to try to get down to the nitty gritty of some things. And that we've got you here in a a denim jacket with the uh, yellow cap, and we've peeled back a layer or two of you, or you peeled it back for us. We didn't have to do much work on that. So I appreciate you uh, taking the heavy lifting for us. Are you ready for the uh, ten dapper villains questions, Ross?
2: Ten dapper villains questions covered in tattoos too. By the way, I know you can't see them.
0: I got, I'm, got, I'm right there with you. Covered, yeah,
2: covered. Everyone, you know, Jay, when you come to Austin, we're getting tattoos, bro.
1: Oh, for real. No. We're I only have one. I only have one tiny one, and I, I want to get a new one. But I want to, I want to get one with a story, like get one, you know, somewhere so my else. Client,
2: my client that ordered that plaid jacket with the peacock.
1: Yes, mm-hmm.
2: yes, he that's was being my tattoo.
3: That's my tattoo artist. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Gangster. Question
0: question one. Question one. You can only use one fabric for the rest of your life linen, wool, or cotton. Which one and why?
2: Hmm. I'm going to, I mean, that's a toss up between two, but it would be definitely natural fiber. Uh, Mm if i can it would probably be cotton but let me ask you let me ask you a question on top of that oh yeah for sure let me ask you a question on top of that do i have the rights to implement new tech into the fiber or does it just have to be pure cotton
0: so we, we haven't got we, me and jay just talked about we might get a question like this uh... because
2: there's a brand called cotton x there's also a brand called Rishi that has just made fabric out of mushrooms
1: that's all new this new trend for antiviral fashion Actually, oh, if we allow this, uh, we would get answers like this. So let's allow it because we want to see, you know, the you know, energy. Yeah, so
2: I mean, yeah. I want cotton and I would mix yeah. it with copper and silver and metals that are antiviral that protect things. I can also make a lot finer fibers with cotton than linen or wool, so I can make meshes. Uh, cotton is also plant-based, so I can grow it in and anywhere with all the new modern techs of lights and water and fucking any filtration system, aquaponics, all that kind of jazz. If you have a die off of animals you can only shave so many sheep so mm-hmm. if we go into a food famine guess what gets eaten first not the grass the sheep yeah so i can always grow grass i can always grow cotton i can always grow l- linen you know in any place so mm-hmm. then you get down to fiber strength and tensile strength you know if i could generate a cotton that has the fibers of strength of a linen I mean, i'm a textile junkie so you're asking a dude the wrong question or maybe the right question. I don't know. uh, It is
1: very much the right question. That's one of the most interesting answers we've heard so far.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I mean, that's, that's the truth of the matter is longevity. What can you use for it? How can it be grown? Where can it go now? Granted, cotton takes a lot of water, but so does linen. I'd use hemp over both of them because hemp uses less water than both. Um, Also cotton kind of fucking drains the nutrients out of your soil to where Mm -hmm. if you're running cotton five, 10, 20, hundred years, you're going to need 10 or 15 years to just get the nutrients back into that soil naturally if you're not using something else. Um, so, watch, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that kind of question. But again, I, I'm a guy that comes off the land. the guy that's been studying all this shit, farming this stuff. So, or have friends that are farming this stuff and looking in this as we're doing the hemp fields and building my big ranch that we're going to open up to the public. Like all that kind of jazz. So, for me, it'd be cotton because I can control that stream. I can control that strand. I can do implementations to it. I can modernize it very quickly. Um, I can also genetically modern it versus it's very hard to genetically modernize a sheep, mm. you know, genetically modify. Like, how do I want to modify that sheep under USDA compliance and what's going to happen to the meat? Like, you know, whereas cool, I'm going to take a cotton strand and make it super cotton and blend it with hemp and linen and just keep crossing the DNAs and doing, you know, simple fucking genetics, yeah. seed biology so that's my answer cotton cool. or ham.
0: a very roundabout complex cotton
3: well,
2: yeah i mean i'm wearing all cotton right now everything i'm wearing minus my old man, minus my old man opera slippers which is a must in every gentleman's closet let's talk about that gentleman's what's house that? the gentleman's house slipper the you know the opera slippers the okay. old man opera slippers
0: what's the sole on that rubber rubber
2: yeah but nice. it's funny, my, all of my grandfathers and late uncles and family members have all worn these slippers. So it's like, we keep them at the ranch, we keep them at the house, you get out of your boots, put your opera slippers on.
3: Nice. Yeah, very Question interesting.
0: Question two, favorite menswear item and why?
3: Hmm.
2: Favorite menswear item.
0: So we're actually talking about a menswear item, not an accessory, we'll get to accessories later. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, I got you. Um. I mean, probably, probably the work jacket and whatever that means to anybody. It's like your everyday go-to like top coat. Okay. I think it's, I mean, because a suit is important, but only to so many people. A sport coat, not everyone wears. Jeans, yes, but still again, not everyone wears. But in terms of like something, I would say the jacket that's like your go-to coat, because coats also provide that like security against insecurity and anxiety. They add that extra layer down the sleeves. Right. Yeah. So for me, it's either this coat or like my red bamboo jacket, you know, in certain situations. So I but it's a jacket. I can wear anything else with it, but it's that. So for me, it's this jacket specifically or my red bamboo. But I would say it's just your it's whatever your go to jacket would be would be my most important. Argument.
0: I like that answer because it it's probably the most flexible answer that we've gotten yet. Uh, you know, other people have said, you know, a certain type of coat or, or, or whatever, or a vest, but yours is like the jacket that you wear. So it doesn't matter if you're a construction worker throwing on a card heart exactly. on the ranch, throwing on a denim jacket, or if you're a power attorney throwing on a, a, a blazer.
2: Yeah, I mean, look at the rake, for example. Let's This is a perfect example of a brand that understands authentic purchasing. This last fall, they would go through jacket series on brands, but they would curate the images to have the same energy, but each jacket would be different. They'd show puffers, they'd show blazers, they'd show sport coats, they'd show tweeds, they show, I mean, there were so many different energies in terms of nonverbal communication, but it was all housed under the same umbrella. So it was like getting the trust from the rake to see, oh, wow, cool. I can wear a puffer jacket one day or, oh, I can wear this, but it's all different brands housed under their authentic energy. And that's what's cool versus like some companies that try to sell you all the same thing. And it's like, dude, how could you be good at making a puffer jacket and an overcoat and a sports coat and a suit coat and a top coat? Like, how can you be good at all of it? There's no way. Anyway, that's my spiel.
0: No, I like it. I like it a lot. Cool. Number three, I think we're gonna have some fun with. I hope we have some fun with. Is it ever okay to wear denim on denim on denim on denim, aka the Canadian tuxedo?
2: Wear it every day. <laughs> Beautiful. I mean, I you got I is- got khaki on blue on khaki right now.
0: Nice. Yeah. I love those patch pockets, by the way. Yo, uh,
1: yeah, I dig that. That's cool. Thanks. That's dope.
0: I
2: mean, they really work. And then, like this one, I have a button. This one's flapped because I put like. Uh... When I'm on the ranch, I put on my. Um, this, it's got this little snap on it, but I put my game camera cards yeah. in here, so that they're, you know the okay. little SD cards. So I'm running yeah. around, I and mean, they're function. The reason patch pockets, and funny you say that, my red jacket, and thank you, my red bamboo jackets all patch pockets, also. So yeah,
0: I, lo- I love patch pockets, and I, I think it's it's the way to go for sure. But yeah. you wear your you coats know, I, and you I, use them. Don't yeah. just
2: take pictures. If you don't just take pictures in them, and you actually use yeah, your yeah. fucking garments,
0: they're functional. Yeah. What, what I love, uh, about this question though, is this whole, the idea of like denim on denim on denim tends to be very decisive. You know, you know, I mean, it's funny though.
2: Can I be, give you an honest answer? Yeah. So I'm 36. My mother mm. has worn this outfit her entire fucking life. Okay. And I've given her shit her entire life. <laughs> Until about five years when I got real ser- five, three to five years ago when I started getting really serious about getting on my ranch and building this big ranch we're building for the country and the world and doing these mm-hmm. big projects and I started just functionality of it washability yeah. of it I get covered in horse shit and dog shit and cow shit and chick shit like gets washed you know oh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of shit when you get in the shit you can live in the clouds what does Gary V say right. To get in the dirt, to live in the clouds. So yeah, dude, I'm fucking in the shit, literally. I love so, it,
0: and I I think it, it's so divisive in the menswear world because even like you'll hear celebrity stylists talk about, oh, only wear this type of denim, or you can only wear one piece. It, because exactly. they
2: get a fucking percentage off that goddamn brand.
0: Yeah, and you know, but I, I love
2: fuck stylists. I used to deal with, I deal with a lot of like mm, mm, musicians. Yeah, And I love my musicians and the musicians love me and we become friends. But guess what? Their stylists hate me because the musicians then go to them and say, you know what? I'm just going to hang out with Ross and we're going to handle it at the ranch or at my house or whatever. And they don't want the stylist around because the stylist is like, this is what you need. This is what you need to do. This is that and this is that and this is that. And the boys are like, fuck that. Why do I need to listen to you? You can get me my shirts and my shoes and get me my hats. I'm going to go build my suits with Ross because they finally get a choice to choose. They don't yeah. have to listen to a stylist that's like, oh, well, Brad Pitt's wearing this. And oh, I saw Jesse Romano wearing this. and Oh, this was on the red carpet last week. And oh, look, Quest Love's rocking this. Who the <laughs> fuck cares? Why do I want to be Quest Love? Why? Quest am already do
0: doing me? a good job of being himself.
2: Yeah, no shit. Why can't I be Ross Bennett? Why can't y'all be y'all? Why can't I be me? Why fuck me. 100. I'm a bespoke tailor. Bespoke means bespoken for. Fabric was bespoken for. That's what bespoke means, not handmade, not custom. It means bespoken for. There was no machine made back then. Stop using the word handmade for bespoke. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Fucking bullshit. Tired of it. So I don't care what material. If it's bespoken for you, it's bespoken for. Polyester Mm -hmm. bespoken for suit, cool, it's bespoken for. Mm -hmm. You wanna sell a $1,000 bespoke suit, cool, it's a thousand bucks, it's bespoken for. Still handmade, still full canvas. There's, that's the terminology. That's the language. Bespoke does not have to be 10 grand. Bespoke does not have to be snobby. It's bespoken mm-hmm. for. Did you speak for that cloth? Cool. Boom. You got it. Nice. Yeah.
0: You mentioned full canvas, and that sort of leads us into the next question, actually. Oh. British, Italian, or American tailoring? Which one and why?
2: I don't even know what American is. I don't even really know what Americans are at the moment, to be honest. I've always said well, you're immigrated.
0: down there in Texas, right? It's fully bespoke. pulling out those details that people want.
2: So I mean I've never noticed what that well, let's talk about that. Give me your opinion of what well I mean, I go after Tommy Nutter. Like we said at the beginning, Tommy Nutter yeah. is my biggest influence. The, who, was also who was also Alexander McQueen's influence, who is also you know uh it was alexander queen's influence it was tommy Ford. tom ford's influence like mm. a lot of the dudes who still do the heart-shaped peaks long jackets high armholes yeah. Neapolitan sleeves high ropes five buttons that's all tommy nutter y'all yeah but he never so- got so like but again he wasn't a cool kid he wasn't spending all the money he wasn't doing all the flash he wasn't playing the fucking game he wasn't feeding all these fucking pockets mm. He was sitting yeah. on the back saying, Hey, how can I be, how can I help you? Who do you want to be cool? And then he got to a point where he didn't want to deal with anybody else. And then, you know, whatever you can read his story. It's,
0: it's cool. No, I, I like, I, I'm very familiar with his background. I'm also very inspired by his, his eccentric, eccentric nature. Yeah. But when I think of American tailoring, right? I think of it as sort of this very American evolution, the same way I think of everything America does and in very much the same way that America does a lot of things, Texas takes what America does and then sort of amps it up a bit.
2: Bro, you get and, me fucking 10 tailors that want to move to Texas right now, I'll find someone to pay for their visas and we'll open up a tailor shop here. No bullshit. I wish I could run I'll it there. I don't, I don't have it. You can't find tailors good enough to work in Texas. You can't. And in New York, it's too expensive. And in New York, it's too hard. And there's really no... You you can't walk into Savile Row in New York. Savile Row is starting to build a little Savile Row in New York, as we all know. But there's no Savile Row tailor shops anywhere where you can walk in and see 10 tailors cutting and sewing garments. It just doesn't exist.
1: Well, does Rochester count as New York?
2: I mean, what I'm saying is the mass market of the world. There's very few and far between. You can't go to Hadley's and see a room of 10 cutters cutting.
1: No, no, definitely not. Well,
2: you can't go is- to me and see ten room 10 cutters cutting. You can't even go to Tom Ford in, in New York and see the cutters cutting. They'll come down and take your measurements. You can't even go to Bijan and see all the cutters cutting. Like, it just doesn't exist. Hmm. But I want to I do it. I've been wanting to build this club. Jay saw it. Um, and I was going to do it it was going to be a public space during the day that you could come in and there would be a ready to wear shop and there would be tailors cutting and sewing a little cafe. You could come have espressos and coffee and check out an iPad and do all that. And at nighttime from six o'clock till midnight, it was members only where people would come in after work, conduct business, men only. And it was just a private club. That Then the tailor that was there would be the one that was kind of a gatekeeper to the secrets of the town. And I'll be honest, that's what it was going to be. That's just, I mean, I, yeah, it was kind of for my clients. Sounds and dope. It, it's called Real Home House, how the original Soho House started, like all that shit before it became fucking Americanized and modernized and covered in fucking $50 million salary guys that can run fast and jump high. Like, fuck yeah. all that. You want to talk about how fucked up America is. These NFL players and NBA guys are getting paid 40 and 50 fucking million dollars a year to run fast and jump high. Yet the goddamn doctors are in so much debt, they're selling drugs that they don't even believe in to pay their loans. And farmers are committing suicide in the fields because of people like McDonald's that are selling a dollar hamburger. Like, fucking America's fucked up. Crazy.
0: So American tailoring is not your choice on that one.
2: (laughs) no, no
1: I, hate the way I, I hate the way
2: America does business the only reason I do it this way is because I have to I don't have the tailors in Texas to do what I want to do it's my dream I'm Telling you you
1: can find me a fucking tailor shop that wants to move to Texas I'll get it funded <laughs> I think I can find one uh, there's a there's a there's a lady who's teaching tailoring in Texas I don't remember what her no name. I'm talking real fucking tailors I'm talking yeah, pack my
0: up and I'll be on the next plane except the country's on lockdown. So,
1: right. That's my
2: point. But like, that's my, that's what I'm saying. Like this type of stuff we could
1: figure
0: out. All right.
1: Okay. Let's move on right. to the next question.
0: Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite accessory and why? Hat. Flat Hands a
3: hat. Yeah.
2: And now, more oh, importantly, hat. more importantly, a hat that has come from someone from before.
0: Okay, so not a new hat.
2: No. Or what's a your, hat that was given to you as a gift from an elder.
0: What's your favorite hat?
2: Either my 1943 Dobbs or my 1981 Charlie One Horse Cowboy hat.
0: Both gifts, both hand-me-downs,
2: what? Uh, One was a gift from my father-in-law that was Sugar's, my
0: you mentioned sugar. Yeah, Yeah, it
2: was, it was, uh, I think his son's hat. Wow. That was given to me. And then, um, my 43 Dobbs I bought at an estate sale. Uh, but when I started going down the rabbit hole of where it was purchased from, it was purchased from an old, one of the first haberdasheries ever in Austin, Texas, that was right in front of the university in 1943 for nine bucks and it has the receipt so i still have the original box the original receipt the hat it's a beautiful black simone that has a two and a half inch uh, black red and silver silk satin band so it's very pretty it's like a summer dress hat of mine and i always wear it with like my red bamboo jacket and black and red pinstripe you know pants and a black grosgrain sevenfold tie a white shirt so yeah i dress up when i need to um i just real in every situation but in terms of accessories the reason i also like old hats is hats that were worn by a gentleman in the past again go back to real authentic energy men that wore hats were put together they got dressed they did something whether it was in the field or if it was in the city but a hat was someone's like definition of style And so when I find ones that were made for that man or ones that were made for men of my family or ones that family members wore or that I could block for my family members to carry on, that then becomes something of significance to me versus, oh, yeah, cool. I have a, you know, a Nick Fouquet hat. Well, so does 10,000 other people have Nick Fouquet's hat. Don't get me wrong. His stuff is amazing. Mm -mm -mm. But... I wouldn't buy it because of the fact that everybody has it, and that he's cool.
3: yeah,
2: I'm just weird like that. I'd rather appreciate the apprentice that's not cool. than the guy that's having to spend so much money just to keep his name afloat, because when shit like this just happens, no one gives a fuck who you are. They care how you treated them.
0: You know what's, you know what's beautiful about that answer, too, is a lot of the people who we talk to, not just on the show, but you know in general, in this industry we'll talk about the watches and they're all have these watches that they want to get for whatever reason. But some of the people who are really, who don't have like these massive expensive watches talk about the, the history and the the story of the watch. And you have even more like uh, this detail of the hats history You of the receipt that one of your favorite hats came from, or, you know, the family member who it came from, you know, mm. that's the type of uh, the sort of legacy the story that, real heritage pieces have
3: yeah
2: i appreciate that i mean it's just you know the world
3: hold on a second
0: you know i think like you said you don't get that with something new that they're they're pumping out ten thousand a month of
1: yeah i mean this has this hat was a gift My now that he said it now i I remember that yeah it it actually didn't buy my first this is my first hat ever I remember you
0: telling uh, me that was the gift that uh, your friends got for you in Singapore.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For my 30th birthday. So now I will remember this fact as an important point because uh, what he said was was really true.
0: And when little Jays are running around with that hat, you know.
1: Uh, yeah, now. yeah my, my kids will wear it if I ever have one. else, maybe I already have some. I don't know.
2: Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm literally talking to Vinny Chase right now. <laughs> give me one second it's all good but again i don't bra- you know it's like i'm gonna tell youtube boys right now and yeah that'll go viral later but it will come with my story where like i don't post pictures of this guy but like adrian sure. grenier is a good
1: buddy of mine Vinny chase from entourage yeah the movie the show we just talked about sasha gray not long ago so um i have I'm not sure asked and i bro. will not ask have uh, come on do you, you have to no the answer is no oh okay <laughs> um, Great show. I love second. that
0: show, Entourage.
1: Alright, what's what's the next
0: question? So the next question and th- this one I I'd be interested to hear your answer because I kind of feel like maybe this is a world that you don't even give a fuck about. But it's how on point should a man's watch game be? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the exact response I expected.
2: Okay, I'll, I'm gonna answer that question because I do follow Wake Out. I do watch his his posts. I do appreciate a lot of what he says. And he did have mm-hmm. someone on that was a very large, uh, I don't know how to say it. So I'm just gonna say AP collector Um, a couple weeks ago. And that kid was really cool because he talked about how he dreamed and dreamed and dreamed of buying this special dial and face and worked extremely hard and because of the way he got to where he was through his authenticity of working hard and doing things the right way, you just hear how he becomes one of the largest collectors of AP, the most loyal to the owner and designer and their friends. And they ask him for advice on certain watches now, but I've never heard of this motherfucker's name in my life. I've never seen him. Granted, I'm not in the watch world, but like listening to his take on watches was really cool. Now, what I, I'd rather take $100,000 and go buy 10 acres of land. It's just me.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> because if I want to go get in my car. That I, actually answers the question very well, too. Yeah, because if I want to go get away,
2: I don't have to look at a watch. Mark Cuban says it best. They asked him a couple years ago in an interview. They said, "Do you? what's your favorite watch? He said, when I made my first billion dollars, I stopped wearing watches because now everything's on my time.
0: A very he's, good answer. He's right. For a billionaire,
2: I'm working on a deal with him right now for masks. Like, nice. Yeah, I mean, the guy's crazy, but it's amazing. Like the guy. I mean, his principles, his mindset. Like the people that matter, their mindsets are really impressive.
3: Hmm.
2: Like really impressive, and their concepts of 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 things. The most wealthiest people in the world own the least amount of shit,
3: hmm.
2: in perspective to their wealth. If you think yeah. about it. Where the cheat where the, where the most poorest person has the most shit in, 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 in proportion to their wealth.
0: Yeah. A lot of their, their, their self-worth is tied up in assets.
2: Yeah. I just watched a guy fucking hand a briefcase over a million dollars in cash two weeks ago to buy 300 acres attached to the ranch.
0: Damn.
2: Yeah. Now guess what he's doing? High fence in the whole fucking place. 17 miles. $10,000 a mile.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna ask. You said how much a mile cost earlier?
2: Yeah, that's just to put the fence up. That's not all the. How long does that take? I'm gonna take 'em a couple months. Yeah. I had a, I had to run a fucking truck out of the ranch two days ago because there's no fence on the ranch right now. So someone was in our property a couple nights ago, and I fucking had to. Yeah, man, whatever. I mean, yep, yep, yep. And you know, we're 90 miles from the border. There were coyotes running illegals through the ranch a couple of weeks ago, and they cut our gates off, and Pops and I had to do gate work, and we had to, like, refix gates this week because the state police cut our gates off chasing illegals through the ranch.
0: Damn.
2: Yeah, dude. Shit happens.
0: Now, the next question I've, I think you've already answered, but I'm going to ask it, and maybe we'll dive a de- bit deeper. But the style icon that you most look up to.
2: That's a great question, and it's gonna stump you on that. I'm going to say Matthew McConaughey
0: oh
3: all right, all right, all right,
2: that's right. He's the biggest role model I've ever, and i and I've met him now twice, and this last time was actually pretty cool. It was actually at Fashion Week the night of my fashion show uh this last year. His daughter was actually showing her clothing too. she's a designer in town and there's a school here called the Austin School of Fashion Design. And they teach like Sandra Bullock's kid and Matt McConaughey's kid and a couple of other, mm. you know, there's, there's a lot of celebrities that live in Austin, a lot.
1: I feel so, like the the best place to meet celebrities would be Austin. Yes, where the, they're the most real for
2: sure. Anyway, um, they have nothing to prove here, but whatever. Um, and so, but, you know, with his whole speech about chasing your hero and the way he does things, I mean, I met him 10 years ago or fucking 2005 back in his naked bongo days he came my buddies used to all be delta Tau deltas and that was his fraternity and my fraternity was zbt and we were brother fraternities on the campus like we threw parties together and did all that kind of stuff together so i was always over at their house and i remember a couple of times you know late nights three four five o'clock in the morning fucking i'm caught we come running through and come party back in those single days you know and, and his wife and family are just incredible They're, he's changed completely and i feel like my life For lack of better or worse, not becoming extremely famous like him, but in terms of like this path of unspoken, like ways and just keep doing what he loves to do. And even though bumps in the road happen, he still keeps doing it like, you know, he got Mm -hmm. a lot of trouble with that bongo shit, but he still kept doing what he loved to do. He still kept chasing his fucking hero like he talks about. And. Now he's doing a lot of shit. He's teaching at the University of Texas. He's uh he's doing a lot in town right now for like masks and things. He's doing uh, him and his wife are just they're just incredible people. He's getting on with nursing homes and doing FaceTimes for bingo. Like he's doing cool shit. He's just a cool fucking dude. He's not like, here's a check for 10 million to save the fucking whales. He's like, let me get on and make you smile. Like he's yeah. real. So he's my biggest role model because he's got everything in the world, yet he wants to just give everything back. And he's got this inner charm that is all right, all right, all right. Like that's the, per- I mean, right, right, when you right. when you hear that, it just gives you that feeling of like, it, it makes everyone feel good. It does. And he, it just, it's even when other people say it, you just feel him, at least I do. And it's like, it's so cool. It's just, yeah. Cool.
1: yeah. All right, all right, all right.
2: Sorry, sorry, it's not Michael Jordan or like... No,
1: it's cool. Actually, Actually, I've seen him sharing his post uh, once and uh, it explains why. And that was a really cool answer.
0: Yeah, definitely uh, to the point.
1: I was going to use this scratchphrase when when every podcast would start. I was going to be like that guy who says, all right, all right, all right, every time.
2: I mean, just think about how powerful that statement is. He's really a powerful person. So anyway, yeah, moving on. Yeah, Next. Yeah, all right. All right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How formal should the man be on a daily basis?
2: I think that's a great question. Um, I think you should be as formal as your job permits. Meaning mm-hmm. a, a rancher should ranch every day. They should wear clean clothes. They should shower. Like, my, like Sugars Turner, every day he woke up, took a shower, he shaved, he brushed his teeth, he put on pressed khakis, a pressed khaki shirt, pressed khaki tie. He had a brand new pair of boots made every six months and he got a new hat every year or a bolo tie or a gray khaki, or, or a khaki tie. That was his outfit. That's how most ranchers and cowboys were.
1: Very interesting answer because, like, I mean, when, 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 we, when we ask how formal should somebody be, like, we're thinking of suit and tie and stuff, but how uh, you said it. It's just like, no, do, your, do you, but do it with respect. Do it.
2: You with- should be proud to go to wherever you're going. Yeah. You have the light. You have the ability to have a job to go do make change. Mm. Yeah. So whatever the fuck you're doing, whether you're a grocery store, whether you're a janitor, whether you're a tailor, whether you own a cow, cal- a football team, whatever. Dress authentically and formal to whatever it it does. Don't try to overshow. Don't try to peacock around. Don't try to become Mister Cool. Like if you're Mister Cool authentically, it's gonna show.
1: Yeah. Or I mean, I, if you I, definitely it. in my younger definitely in my younger years, I tried to or do everything. We were talking to the mr dandy right and 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 dandyism is is how they want to roll like doing a lot of things showing like that's how they want to roll and that's cool too i have no problem with it as long as it's authentic to you that's what i'm saying yeah
2: that's my point if that's yeah, right, if, if you are a dandy in life mm-hmm. if you are a dandy own it dandy yeah. the fuck out of it
1: yeah
2: if you are an introvert own yeah. it we're all black
0: and don't wear ranchers clothes to the to the stock exchange
2: i mean it's kind of funny i do that actually, <laughs> just to get the looks my yeah. buddies and i were like my buddy like so he owns there's a big country club leaf johnson ford family there there's a huge country club sitting right on his ranch <laughs> his family owns owned 500 acres in the middle of the city and his family still owns 250 of the acres and they sold the other 250 to the, one of the largest resorts in the city called barton creek country club yeah. and it literally it sits in his property and he has a private gate into the club and all this kind of shit. and there's all these ranch restaurants there so we'll be working at the ranch and we're like you want to go to the steakhouse <laughs> so we get in the golf cart and we drive the golf cart up through his private gate because we've been working in the fields or fishing all day And then we drive up to the steakhouse and we sit down and all these fuckers look at us like we're pieces of shit. And I'm like, we've got a $20 million seed company. My buddy owns, used to own this land. He owns the land right there. Like you guys and your fucking insecure bibble babble bullshit, sitting around talking about how you're cheating on your wives, you pieces of shit. Like fucking stop looking at me. Cause I'll fucking write your ass 10 times over. Like. So it's humbling to me to sometimes be able to dress like this and go into a steakhouse and sit down, especially when you know the chef because the guy's like, what's up? I like being friends with the service. I am service. I just make suits. I'm a janitor. I am nobody. I am not famous. I am not powerful. I am not important. The guys I suit are important. I can't Mm -hmm. afford – I can't afford their lifestyle. I'm not going to live it.
0: Nice. Good answer, man. Again – Keeping it authentic, keeping it real. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Keeping it down home. Now, right, we're moving right. on to number nine here. Round every it out. Or the the- every
1: time we move on to the next question, we got to do the Matthew McConaughey. You know, the- all, right, right, the- all, all right, all right,
0: all right. All right. So moving into the uh, the home stretch, number nine, to tie or not to tie, that is the question. Whew.
2: So when I was on television, in 2000, I guess it aired in 12. We filmed it in 11. Uh, we filmed, yeah. We got married in 10. We filmed it in 11. Aired at 12. Yeah. So when I was on television, NBC made me wear a bow tie every day, every day, because they saw pictures of me from Texas that I hunted and I fished and I was a Republican and I was an extreme conservative and I wore bow ties with suits. And so like. On the international, like in the introductory interview, I had to wear a bow tie, and then when I went to the show, I had to wear bow ties like, because they check your, you know, when you, they're making a reality a reality, they check your outfits mm. and they go through all that kind of shit.
3: Mm-mm.
2: And I and I had to wear bow ties every show. So if you Google Ross Bennett Fashion Star, you'll see all these pictures of me in fucking suits with bow ties. And um, what was really funny about that is like they made me, it's just yeah. So when I got off the show, I then became the official bow tie designer for the state of Texas. And that was passed in like Senate resolution and like, Oh my God, is today, April 10th. Holy fuck. Today is Texas bow tie day. Today is my day. Today (laughs) is the official day. Senate resolution 643. I think you can like look it up, but April 10th was Texas bow tie day. And, uh, yeah, that's today. Anyway. Um, that's funny that's really funny that we're having this conversation right now uh, but yeah i have like the senate resolution in the office and all that kind of shit but once that happened and the tv show aired and then everybody in fucking town knew ross bennett as a guy in a bow tie now mind you let's go back to something here because about humility it's always about being honest right yeah. i fed into that ego phase now granted they had my pictures from NBC. I was all over buses. I was all over billboards. I was the American boy, the red, white, and blue, you know, straight fashion designer on TV. Like, who the fuck is this guy? Written up in every Rolling Stone article for 16 weeks. I mean, I was, I made number four TV guides, most fashionable moments with a pair of shorts that I made on that show. So like that year, TV guides, they picked 10 things. And so I fed into the tie phase because I was obsessed with it because everybody knew me as a tie. So I was like, Fuck it. dude, I'd wear a fucking bow tie to the grocery store. <laughs> Straight up. So that someone would stop me and be like, oh my God, you're Ross Bennett. Can I take a picture? And it <laughs> happened everywhere. So I fed into that completely. And then I got this Senate resolution and I was like, well, I don't really know how much higher I can go. I just got the official bow tie design for the fucking state.
3: <laughs>
2: and I had this like, Can you do this Ross? Can you like let go? And I like didn't wear a bow tie out that one day and I dressed like this and nobody knew who the fuck I was. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't get, I called my wife when I got back in the truck and I was like, nobody knew who I was Aaron. I didn't get stopped. And I stopped wearing ties completely because of that. Because I fell into this psychological mindset two years before that I was so obsessed with ties so i was like bam addiction's broken i don't need to see people i don't want to be around people i'm going to go back to my fucking ranch way farm away live on the farm do more things here that was a big energy shift for me which was like 10 and 14 15. and uh that happened and so but now i respect them hmm. if that makes sense again back to your formal place for things i'm not gonna wear a tie every day but if there's certain clients i need to see then I'm going to wear a tie and depending on what tie it's going to either be, you know, four in hand or a double Windsor, um, single dimple or double dimple, no dimple. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have all that depending on who I'm seeing, you know, formal ties, bow ties are always black. I've got a couple different, different shapes, um, and a couple different textures to play with. So you only things. wear
0: black bow ties?
2: Oh, uh, no. I mean, I have a hundred bow ties. I mean, I oh. literally have a fucking, I mean, I probably have 500 ties in my room. And so, most of them are bow ties.
0: Being from Texas, you ever rock the bolo?
3: I do. I have three bolos.
0: Love the bolo. Yeah.
3: I don't yeah, rock the bolo
0: it myself. It feels a little. It doesn't feel authentic for me. But I think they the people who pull them off, they're amazing.
2: The bolo Jay is a leather strap that has a silver yeah. buckle. Oh yeah, yeah. Cowboy tie. I, I love to rock that.
1: Yeah. They're fun. You're, you're a buddy that, you're, you're Silversmith that you've introduced me to. Yeah, yeah. Red, red Rabbit Trading. I actually want to interview him. Like, talking to you now, I feel like, yo, I got to interview him too. That would be fun. He's, wanna, he's really cool.
2: When all this settles down, I want to go meet him in Marfa, Texas, which is halfway between him and I. And it's like an mm. artist. It's like, it's like near Big Bend. Mm. I want to go like, yeah. smoke a bunch of weed, maybe eat some mushrooms, talk to him about some stuff, try to figure out some things. Yeah.
0: Sounds like a good time.
2: He's a medicine man. He's a special person, I can already tell. He's got a sales mindset on him. He's like, How fast can I sell you something? What do you need? And I'm like, bro, let's just talk. You're gonna build a piece for me. (laughs) Like, I want to talk. I want to meet you. You're gonna build something I'm gonna have in my family, I'm gonna pass down to my son. I wanna meet you.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, but but his work is fucking unbelievable. Like absolutely unbelievable. But I'm old school. I don't need things right now. I could wait. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a lot of the world is not that way and they're being forced right now to that. Sell me a pen. You know, like a lot of the world is like that. Like they, they live that. Like, yo, I need to sell. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's so fucking ridiculous. Like, why? What do you need to
2: consume besides the love and energy of the people that you've bred or been bred from?
4: Hmm.
1: All, right, yeah. all right, all right, all right. To the last
0: question. Moving on to question ten: Which movie character, in your opinion, has their style game unlocked?
1: Except Matthew McConaughey, because then uh, that no, no, that's
0: makes all McConaughey characters.
3: I'm gonna say
2: that James Bond for every year of his every so Sean Connery mm-hmm. and Pierce Brosnan and then the new guy. I think the Bond image, um in my opinion, is the quintessential man because he's the most real.
0: So, he, my- like, you're the first one to. To have the balls to say bond because that's the easy answer i don't think it's easy
2: i don't think it's easy at all and i'll explain why
0: tell me why tell me why. because it
2: has nothing to do with his suit it has everything to do with his energy to me okay so he's the guy that'll show up in a robe in some of the pictures he'll be Mm -hmm. in a t-shirt and jeans he'll be in a suit or a tuxedo he knows how to deal with business but he also knows how to deal with pleasure behind closed doors He knows how to order a drink. He's always confident in what he does, whether it's business or pleasure. That motherfucker is the ideal quintessential man in terms of set within himself. Mm -hmm. He knows how to get out of failure. He knows how to move past failure when he fails. He knows how, when things go wrong, to keep moving. And it's across all people a bond. It's not just Pierce or Connery. You know, and sure, yes, his clothing has always been on point. But also the dude from Casablanca, same situation. Humphrey Bogart. Both those guys. It's like that's Steve McQueen. That era, those those characters that were modeled after that persona is the gentleman that I say is the best. Because they were always so confident in themselves. They were confident in their ways. They had a dark side that they showed, but they also had a really humanized side that was pure and they just showed the authentic person of that character and to me that was my favorite and that's why it's not just because it's it's not just just because of his yeah exactly it's not just because of his suit it's because of the person the guy that indiana jones sure if you want to look at like the people the clothes it's a person indiana jones had the most beautiful safari clothes
1: i'm really enjoying this whole like clip button thing i don't know Pearl, pearl snaps yeah, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. called Pearl Snap. Dude, I've already talked to Hayden, and I'd be like, I'll buy you the
2: Pearl Snap machine.
1: If you yeah. Factory. I mean, so do you need a special machine for this shit? Because this it's is just amazing. A, it's a riveter. Google it right now. You can buy it for 200 bucks on
2: Amazon. Deliver it to your house. Take every single button off your shirt put a rivet in it. There's your Pearl Snap. I have thousands. I mean, I could sell thousands of them if I could find a factory to make me Pearl Snap shirts. And I've thought about just telling Hayden, send me all the shirts unfinished, just marked. I'll buy the machine and snap them myself.
3: Yeah. you like so, them practical. Mark, huh? it's so practical.
2: Again, so practical. Again, from the farm comes from the ranch world. So that if you get caught What's on something, it, it, approach, it pulls. Huh? I don't really know, but I know a lot of ranchers wear them so that if it gets caught on a fence, it just pulls it versus rips the shirt.
3: Wow.
2: It's also easy to like take off, do all that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Practicality.
0: Cool. Home into the bedroom, just. That's
2: right. I don't. <laughs> wear, I don't. I don't wear underwear for that reason. But also, let <laughs> me ask you this: How many tail? How many? i me ask you this question: How many tailors do you know that ask which way you
0: dress? I think I've only ever seen that in a movie. I've never been asked I, that by a tailor.
2: I, I ask every tail I ask every client, and I actually note it in all my accounts. And I let the distribute in like my distributor notes to each factory, because do you know how you, what that accounts for? I'll give you a Taylor secret. And I actually learned this from Teddy Slochevec, Alan Flusser's Taylor. So, and this was for all Taylors. So from between mid leg to here, to the crotch point where all those seams connect, yep. you ask which way everything goes right or left or center, right? Some guys go center, some guys go right, some guys go left. Well, depending on which I'm gonna explain. So, in order to to decrease the amount of moose knuckle that you see in the crotch from guys that want tight fitting pants, oh, we're
1: talking about dick and balls here. Okay. Yeah, how you dress? I right, got wallets and phones. Well, the British <laughs> formal
2: way of saying it is "How do you dress, sir?" <laughs> or the Italian way is "Which way do you lay?" So, whatever, you fuckers. But anyway, yes. I like "How do you dress?" Because guys are always like, "I don't know. I gotta think about that." But you add a half an inch of easement to whichever side. Things go to from mid thigh to top point and add an easement of half an inch, and it creates the tiniest little pocket for things to fall into place.
1: Very interesting.
2: Yeah. So, you know how always Taylor's yeah. talk to you about stretching and shrinking? Have you ever watch them where they iron and they have to stretch and shrink and stretch and shrink? So, you add just a half an inch right there. And so, after it's stitched, you just stretch and shrink on that seam and ease it in. And it creates just the tiniest little pocket up there at the top.
0: What do you do when they say center?
2: Half, a quarter of an inch on either side. So the front is a little bit longer than the back. Oh. But it only oh. is added to the front side, not the back side, who by the way.
0: Center? Who guys center? At,
2: guys who wear briefs. So like if you wear whitey tighties, you're center. Oh. If you wear boxers yeah. or you don't wear anything or boxer briefs, most things will slide. Right? Yeah. It's It's architecture. More, more like You know, a tailor is an architect. It's nonverbal communication.
0: We talked to an architect recently who related menswear and tailoring to architecture.
2: We are the architect for what you want to say. Architects of nonverbal communication. Tailoring is the architect for the human body. Think about it. Each person's a foundation. Mm. The three of us sitting right here, we're all three different sizes. Mm. But we're all a body. And we can all, a good tailor can make all three of us look similar.
1: All right, all right, all right.
2: It's just funny. The world is crazy. I'm really happy. I mean, I I hate to say I'm happy that this is all happening because it's affected me too. It's affected everybody. Mm -hmm. But I've been able to step back without anger and say why and ask everybody above what's going on. And I've been able to step back and see that the world is just trying to tell us, slow the fuck down. Go back to prayer. Go read how you were founded. Love the neighbor. Take care of your flock like feed your family do humble work if you weren't doing humble work you're going to be struck down it sucks to say that
1: yeah true anybody took out big loans you know uh were trying to go true fast uh, grow too fast you know getting greedy and stuff they're all hurting now
2: i can yeah. only imagine you as a huge global business in terms of your mills how many brands you're going to see fail in the next 2 months
1: oh yeah for sure
2: U.S. ways, and I hate to say that. I mean, I could I could close up shop today if I wanted to, but I don't have any. I don't need to. My business, I'm now changing and
1: adapting. I'm saying forget how like you know how to get away from debt is so important. Like like okay, I understand at some point in life you have to have debt, but like try to get rid of that. Like some people live their entire life fucking paying off their debt. You mean Americans?
0: Uh, Anywhere? Oh, it's
2: big in America. That's why I'm like saying Americans. It's, It's that's the whole mindset here yeah
0: I have it friends sucks. who are still paying off their student loans Like i said i'm i'm forty one so I have friends who have not paid off their undergraduate student loans yet you know twenty Crazy. something years after we went to undergrad.
2: What are you doing? <laughs> what are you buying
0: yeah I don't know man i'm again i'm I'm very fortunate to be in that zero debt category
2: mean, mm. I'm not saying my family we don't acquire debt, but we don't have any debt on things we don't own.
0: Does
2: that make yeah. sense like like
1: yeah yeah we, have, yeah
2: we have like like everybody has a little bit of just monthly debt. You pay bills, like we all have a little yeah. bit of but like I don't have like cars I can't afford. I don't have any payments on any cars, like mm. you know, I don't have any watches that I bought from a jeweler, like you know like Iced out my debt is like my phone bills, like I finance my phones, so yeah, I have a five hundred dollar phone bill a month because I finance my phones, but mm. that's because my wife and I like to swap our phones out. I don't want to pay a thousand dollars up front to own it and then have to pay a thousand dollars the next time I'll pay a few month bucks a month, you know, for these phones to finance them. So I can swap them out when I want. But again, it's owning that debt, choosing to use yeah.
0: it. Yeah. If you use debt properly, it's not a bad thing, but, and yeah. you know, I've, cause I, I came from the startup world you know, I tell people all the time, like college debt is just as horrible horrible infrastructure that america is built to kind of trap you in oh so i know so many people going into debt to get degrees that are really worth nothing and like i was an engineer and i tell people all the time like if you want to be like a network engineer like i was you want to be a software developer don't go to college you can learn that online in six months right it's crazy
3: don't need a hundred thousand
0: dollar degree
2: No. I mean, dude, I dropped out of the University of Texas in 2006 when all my friends fucking left school. I tried to go back in 2008. I started my business in August of 2008. Tried to go back in 2010, went on national television, dropped out. I mean, I'm dropping out every time, right? 2014, 18 months after my son's born or 15, not 14, maybe he was six months old. The University of Texas calls me and says, can you make a cap and gown for Bevo? And what's it going to cost? And I said, call President Powers and have him give me my two hours so I can graduate. Hmm. Cap and gown for Bevo. Ross got his diploma. Nice. That's how I graduated from the University of Texas. There's ways to do things. That's my point. Like, Hmm. don't let the fucking system stop you. Like, figure out how to do things in life, figure out how to be in a fluid state. Things are going to happen. Cool. Don't stop. Move around it. Flow. We're 90 something percent water. We are designed to move. We're not designed to sit still.
0: Bruce Lee said, be water, my friend.
2: Amen. A lot of ranchers do the same.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think on that note, Ross, we're going to wrap this up. We appreciate you taking two hours of your time to talk to us, man. It's, you know, locked down here on COVID-19, but I know you still got stuff to do, hunting, ranching.
2: Yeah, I'm happy about it. I'm blessed about it. Thankful for y'all too. This has been fun. We got
0: some egg photos today on Instagram? You gonna get what's it? We gonna see your egg photos today on Instagram or what?
2: Oh, uh, my eggs? Yeah, sure. I'll send you some. I love them. I just picked up 32 yesterday. I was gone for 2 days. And I got 32 eggs. Easter came early.
0: Well, they lay one a day each yeah. each hen? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I got three or four roosters and a bunch of, you know, 16 hens I think in the backyard. And so, one of my you
0: know, or hens. He never paid for eggs ever.
2: Yeah, there's a big shortage of eggs, you know, in the United States. I mean, we're not getting really? into commercial farm yeah, well, I'm not gonna get into the commercial farming food chain problem. But yeah, H E B and all these big companies have already got their yearly budgets on how many they're gonna buy per community, but they're yeah. not realizing that thirty percent of the of the farmers uh sales are down because restaurants are closed. And mm. a lot of people eat out. But when they can't eat out, they have to go to the grocery store. But the grocery mm. stores aren't willing to change their buying plans so anyway a lot of people are i mean i sell at least two dozen eggs a day to friends and family members or whatever eight dollars a dozen we don't price gouge it i'm not in price gouging.
0: eight bucks a dozen for fresh eggs pretty damn good deal but that's what they yeah.
2: sell them at central market so i just sell them the same price but they're out of my backyard
0: nicer egg better quality no drugs you just
1: you just
2: know me. Well, I don't know about drugs. I smoke a lot of cannabis, but uh, you know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no drugs in the chickens. No drugs in the chickens.
1: <laughs> For sure. Well, I actually. So speaking, well, we'll talk about. The I first. mean, his chickens. His chickens take MDMA, so it's different. Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's why they're so calm and happy.
0: No. Anyway, but let's wrap this up, Ross. We appreciate your time. All the links to your social, Texas Taylor on Instagram, all that will be down in the show notes, guys. Check it out. Until next time, stay dapper, stay millennial.